How we doing, everybody? Feeling good? Excited to be in the house today. Uh, we got an awesome day in the house of God. I'm very excited to be able to teach today in part two of our Looking for a Leader series. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Devin. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, my role and responsibility is I am the regional pastor of our church. So how many know we have multiple locations? So we are one church, many locations. We have three physical locations right now. We also have an online campus. And so for the Ashland location, come on, Ashland, make some noise. Let's go. I love it. We have a Framingham location that just went to their second service today because that community is growing so rapidly and so fast. Come on, give it up for our Framingham family. We're so proud of you guys. And then, of course, we have our TC is our insider's language, but our Tri-County Bellingham location. And that campus is thriving, doing so good. Actually, this never, this never really happens anymore, but my wife is actually in attendance today, and she leads the Bellingham location, our TC campus. Can we give it up for my beautiful wife? Come on. My wife, Natalia, uh, was just telling me uh, recently, she's like, you know, somebody asked, like, is everything going okay between us two? Because anytime Pastor Devin preaches at Ashland, his wife and his family are never there. And so she was like, no, that's because I lead the Bellingham campus. So just so you know, me and my wife, we're on pretty good terms right now. <laughs> at least I think, right? We're good. Okay, good. We're good. We're good. You guys, all, all, the, all the husbands are like, the how we doing conversation, we don't like that conversation. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How we doing, babe? Um, let's book a calendar appointment. I'm like, oh, God, no. So uh, that's where we're at. Uh, I'm really excited to be able to teach today. We're in the Looking for a Leader series. What I want to do, I want to give you a quick little summary of what Pastor Derek, actually, PD's also in the house right now. Can we give it up for our lead pastor? I got my whole family front row right now. It's kind of crazy. Um, also, my sister and my brother-in-law just announced that they're having a baby girl yesterday. It's crazy. We got a girl in the family. Little little Layla Rain. So cute. Absolutely love that name. Um, okay, let's get to let's get to the Bible today. Uh, Second Chronicles is what our series uh, subject is. And so really this is what the scripture says. Second Chronicles chapter 16. The Bible says this the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord are searching the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In other words, God is looking for a leader. He's looking for a leader. Uh, we're going to break this down a little bit today. But he's also, he's not only looking for a leader, he's searching for shepherds. And let me just give you a quick little synopsis of our church and our mission and our vision. First of all, you should, as an attendee, as a congregant of this church, you should be able to communicate this. Our dream team certainly can. The vision of our house is we exist to connect the disconnected. Implied in that is saying that we are, that all of us are inherently disconnected from something. Either disconnected from God, disconnected from our purpose, or disconnected from others. And so our church exists to serve all three of those needs. That we exist to connect the disconnected. Our mission, though, is to take people on a life-changing spiritual journey. Meaning that in one service, we're not trying to accomplish all the things that God wants for you. We don't have four-and-a-half-hour tent revival services where you're getting saved, set free, delivered, all that stuff in one single meeting. No, we believe life change happens in the context of relationship. And so we take people on a life-changing spiritual journey. But our goal, so that's our vision, that's our mission, but our goal and maybe you haven't heard this before or haven't heard this in a long time. Our goal is that every member become a minister. Every member become a minister. 
And one of the things that our church maybe is a, a little bit more of a distinctive of is uh, contrary to maybe some other churches or what they do, and I'm not saying we're better than anybody, we're not, but one of the things that maybe is a key distinctive of our church is that we don't have this man of God syndrome, meaning that just because I'm a pastor at this church doesn't mean you're not the pastor of your family, the pastor of your job and your workplace. Come on, all of us have a call to ministry. Is every member, our goal is to become a minister, that you know how to lay hands on the sick, you know how to speak a word of prophecy to somebody. Our goal here is to develop the minister and the leader and the shepherd on the inside of you. Come on, does that sound good to anybody in here? That's our goal, is that every member become a minister, and that's what I want to talk on and teach on today. Um, why, don't we go to, uh, why don't we go to Matthew chapter 10, and I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. This is the main text that I'd like to talk about. Matthew chapter 9, forgive me. Now, one of the reasons I ask you to stand up is because when we approach the Word of God, we should approach it with a holy reverence. So what we're about to do is we're about to engage in the reading of Scripture, and as Dwight L. Moody says it like this, he's a, he's a famous theologian. He basically says, hey, the, the uh, service of the word of God or the preaching of the word of God is not to increase your intellect, but it's to change your life. So when we approach the word of God, we shouldn't just be asking ourselves things like, oh, I didn't know that. I want to learn more about the Bible. It shouldn't just be I want to learn more. It should, it should be I need to put this into practice. Because the scripture says we shouldn't just be hearers of the word. The Bible says we should be doers of the word as well. So today is going to be really practical. We have some homework and we have some next steps assigned to the sermon today. And here's what I want to read. The Bible says this, And Jesus went out through all the cities and all the villages, and he was teaching. Somebody say teaching. You guys going to talk back to me today or no? Okay, and Jesus went through all the cities and all the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And he also was healing every disease. Somebody say healing pause for a second. One of the things that I think as preachers we must do is we shouldn't just teach the Bible. We should teach you how to learn and read the Bible yourself. So I see two things. I see teaching, but then I also see healing. Here's how, here's how the Lord was speaking it to me. Is some, some things are healed by what's taught, and some things are healed by what's been touched. So we believe in the elementary doctrine of the laying on of hands. And so when you see Jesus, he's walking in the cities and he's teaching them wisdom. He's teaching them kingdom ethics. And some things for your mind must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So some things are transformed and changed in your life because you were taught some stuff. But then there are some things when you are healed, you get healed because somebody touched you. Somebody laid hands on you. And nowadays, culture has actually taken that word and it's become this little hot topic. I don't want anybody touching me. No, we have an elementary a Christian doctrine of the laying on of hands that if you lay hands on the sick, they can recover in Jesus' name. And so we have to teach all of what Jesus did. He taught people, he healed people, and then it keeps on going. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. God is searching for shepherds. Next verse. Then he said this to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want to teach today from looking for a leader. We're going to do part two. This is really the need for leaders, the need for leaders. Stay standing and I'll pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for the time that we have together. Put me on like a glove. I ask that you would teach us and touch us today. I ask that you would open our eyes. You would, you would heal our hearts. You would direct and guide our steps. You would change our minds. Do what you do. We give you full weight. We give you full invitation to move and to act on, on our behalf. So change us, challenge us, convict us, help us to see Jesus, encounter the power of God, and to hear from heaven. We love you, Lord. It's your son's precious name that we pray. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said?
Come on, why don't you give God a shout of praise in this house today? Amen and amen. You can be seated, Sergio. Thank you. You can be seated. Lots to say in a little bit of time, but the first I want to say is I, I was watching this movie recently. It was called The Informant. The Informant. And so it's a movie that Matt Damon plays a character named Mark Whitaker. To summarize the story, I'm not going to get into the whole details of it. To summarize the story, essentially there's this guy. He's a C-suite level executive. He's an executive level leader at his company. And uh, this company was doing some pretty shady stuff with some money. And people are pocketing profit that they were not supposed to. The FBI catches wind of this. And they approach Mark Whitaker, who Matt Damon plays. They approach Mark Whitaker and essentially say, hey, we need you to be our informant inside this company. And in the process, we'll help you, we'll guide you, we need you to wear a wire. And basically, Mark was an informant for the FBI. Now, I'm watching this, and there's a fantastic movie because it's very comedic. This guy is a brilliant brain, but he kind of has this ADHD, so there's a lot of comedy involved in this movie. But as he's going throughout this whole process, he's really struggling accepting this full responsibility of being an informant for the FBI. Now, as a communicator, I believe as a communicator, everything is communicating to you. Which, by the way, God speaks through the Bible primarily, but he speaks through many different things. So I'm watching this movie, and I just got this revelation that basically the FBI approached Mark Whitaker and basically said, hey, we have a mission for you. And this man one day was just working his same normal job, doing his same normal routine, having his same normal practices. The next day, after he gets a mission, he has the same job, he's around the same people, he has the same purpose, but he has an entirely different mission because he has a higher authority that now he reports to. This is the goal, and this is the image of Christians and believers today. Is that all of us, no matter what you do for work, no matter what you do in life, whether you are a student, whether you're in, in your older years, in your younger years, whether you're a student, you're a colleague, you're a client, you are uh, launching a business, you're an entrepreneur, you're a parent, all of us have a mission from God. The problem is, though, so many of us have a hard time accepting that calling and accepting that mission. And so Mark serves as a great metaphor for how many of us are in this situation. And this is what Jesus says in Scripture that we just read. He simply just says this, hey, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, he says this is a harvest. The, the metaphor of harvest simply means that there are souls nowadays, individuals nowadays, that are ready and willing to accept the forgiveness of God, the love of God, and the leadership of God. The harvest is plentiful, but he says the workers are few. I have a question I have to ask you guys. It's this. Is, if the need for leaders is so great, why are the candidates for leadership so few? If there is such a need for spiritual leadership, kingdom workers, kingdom sweat to be involved with the work that we do, if there is such a need for kingdom leadership, why are the candidates for leadership so few? I think there are so many reasons for that. But in my personal and professional experience, I want to give you two. First, you need to know something. Spiritual leaders are an endangered species nowadays is there is a desperate need. How many know there is a desperate need in culture today and even in the church today to have spiritual leaders? People that are kingdom prioritized, have a kingdom purpose for their life. Spiritual leaders must be sacrificial first and foremost. Spiritual leaders must be skilled. As a communicator, I can certainly say that things I do say, things I don't say can impact people or hurt people. So you have to be incredibly skilled. You have to be incredibly trained, but you need spiritual leaders nowadays. People that know that even though I'm running a business, even though I'm leading a family, first and foremost, I'm a steward and not an owner. I'm preaching much better than you're responding right now. I'm a steward and not an owner. Meaning that all the stuff that I have, all the resources that I have, all the resources that I have, all the relationships that I have, even the gifts that I have were given to me by God. 
It was not by my own effort. It's not that I deserved it. God gave me these things, and I'm responsible to steward it for his kingdom and for his glory. Amen, everybody. So I'm a steward of these things. So we have to be very careful. We have to be very careful of what we are stewarding and how we are stewarding our stuff. We need spiritual leaders nowadays that rise up and advance kingdom purposes. We need those today. So what I want to highlight is there's basically two primary reasons as to why people are not stepping into this leadership mantle. The first I would say we have a priority issue and we have an identity issue. Priority issue and an identity issue. First of all, my dad says it like this. Our lead pastor says it like this. If you're too busy for ministry, you're too busy. You're too busy. You were put on the planet to provide uh, spiritual wisdom, to provide spiritual services to people. The reason you are put on this planet, you are crafted for a calling. You are created for a purpose. You were designed for a destiny. You were, you were shaped for a service. God has a purpose for your life, and it's not just to accomplish the American dream. It's to accomplish kingdom purposes. That is why you are on the earth. And the reason you were saved and not immediately ascended to heaven upon salvation is because God still has a purpose for you here on earth. But so many of us are busy doing maintenance kind of things or building our own things that we forget why we're here in the first place. Is we are here to advance the kingdom of God. We have a priority issue. Now, this is not just for marketplace leaders. This is also for ministry leaders. Because even in church settings, we can be so busy doing maintenance instead of ministry. So maintenance is... uh, committee work, it's meetings, it's things that are designing stuff. And listen, don't get me wrong, there is maintenance to be involved. But when was the last time you laid hands on somebody? Not in a physical way. When was the last time you prayed for somebody? When's the last time you gave a catalytic uh, a word for somebody or a prophetic insight to somebody? I'm telling you, there's a minister on the inside of you. There's a minister on the inside of you. Our goal is not to have a crowd as a church. We do not want that. If you just come to this church and it's all consume, 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 listen, this is not going to be the church for you. I just want to let you know that. We don't want, here's a better way to say it. We don't want an audience. We want an army. In other words, when things, when, when things go wrong, when there's tragedy that strikes, we have a church that are full of people to say, I want to step up. I'm here. I'm here and I'm here to solve problems because that's what leaders do. Leaders don't provide all the problems and see all the problems. They provide solutions to the problems. And that's why we're on the planet, by the way. We have a priority issue, but here's the real reason that I would say that we need to unpack and discuss is we have an identity issue. Is there are countless people that simply just say, I don't know, I can't really do what like you do. Or, listen, can I just say something? Public ministry is necessary, but it's not the only thing that's necessary. Is a lot of people disqualify themselves from doing any kind of ministry, service, spiritual service, because they think it's just dedicated to the man of God or the the people of God or the family that leads the church. No, no, no. You're a minister. You were formed for a function to serve kingdom purposes. Am I making sense, everybody? So we have a priority issue or identity issue. Here's, here's what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, here's what we call the principle of perception. For my note takers, you're going to want to write this down. The principle of perception. Uh, you will consistently behave in the way that you see yourself. You will consistently behave in the way that you see yourself. So listen, God has an opinion about you. But if you don't have that same opinion about you, it's not going to matter. So you have to see yourself properly. Jesus says, 
or God says to Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And the first thing he responds to is, who are you talking about? You're talking about me? I'm from the smallest tribe, the weakest tribe. I'm a forgotten individual. I got insecurities. You're not talking about me, God. No, God says, you're a mighty man of valor. And many of us have an identity issue. And this is what Craig Rochelle says, one of my favorite leadership gurus. He says this. He goes, many of you guys are trying to change your activity before you change your identity. So this is where it gets really practical for a second. The beginning of the year, oftentimes we have these New Year's resolutions. And I got all these resolutions, and I want to do this. I got to lose some weight. I want to get into the gym more frequently. I want to read my Bible more frequently. And we start with activity instead of identity. And if you don't change who you are, you'll never change what you do. That's why identity comes first. Am I making sense, everybody? So you must say, this is who I am. If you constantly say, oh, I'm terrible with names, you know what? You're always going to be terrible with names. If you say, oh, I can't do that, you better believe you're never going to be able to do that. So you must change your identity before your activity. I'm giving you some good wisdom and good principles for parenting, pastoring, and leading. Change your identity before you change your activity. This is why I believe in affirmation. This is why I believe in designing things that are in agreement with the word of God that you constantly wash your brain with. Because I didn't say this in first service. I'll say this in second because I like you guys a little bit more. Is that fine? Don't tell first service I said that. Um, the devil is not creative, he's repetitive. Meaning the reason so many of you hear the devil's voice all the time and have such insecurities all the time is not because he's saying new things, it's because he's saying old things constantly and repetitively. So the very way the devil acts and torments you is the very same strategy that you need to put into play where you need to have regular confessions. This is who I am and this is what God says I am. If you come to church just once a month, once a week, and all you hear is a preacher say, you're a leader, you're a minister, is that good? Awesome, great. But you need somebody to have repetitive, uh, repetitive and, and consistent repetition in your head of this is who I am. So this is what we've done with our children. And so Nat and I have really designed these affirmations for our boys because listen to me, everybody, both as a parent and as a pastor, uh, you are going to graduate with a degree from either culture or kingdom. You determine which one you're going to graduate with. So this is why at two years old for both Zion and Ezra, we have designed these affirmations. And I'm going to actually ask Zion to come up on stage. You guys want to welcome Zion real quick? Z, come here. Z, come here. Come on up. This is my firstborn, Zion Joshua. Z, come right here. Z, how old are you? I'm five. He's five years old. Zion, we've been doing affirmations for a few years, right? Um, can you show him your affirmations real quick? Okay, go ahead. I'm blessed. I'm handsome. I'm smart. And I'm loved. I'm a follower of Jesus and a leader of men. I'm kind. I'm obedient. I'm protective, and I'm brave, and I'm wise, and I'm five, and I'm generous, and I'm hardworking, and I'm nice, and I'm cool. Yeah. Good job, bro. Good job, Z. Good job, Z. One of the things that we've discussed as a family, it's great. One of the things we discuss as a family is actually we've designed some of these things based on the seasons that he's in. But actually, Zion has added a few affirmations to that. And you could tell probably the cool one was his. <laughs> but we don't want to just tell our kids what to think. We want to teach them how to think. Because he is constantly washing his mind with that. And there's one particular, there's two particular parts of this that I want to highlight. And I want you to say, as a church family, this is who we are. We are followers of Jesus. And we are leaders of men. 
Come on, I want you to repeat that after me. Three, two, one. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm a leader of men. One more time. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm a leader of men. Use that. Use that. Because your identity produces your activity. So I'm a follower of Jesus. What's that? The Bible uses this term as a disciple. A disciple. And a disciple is a apprentice, a student of their rabbi or their teacher. It is an imitator of their leader. That's what a follower of Jesus is. We are disciples, but we are also producing leaders. This is both my personal mission, but this is a mission of our church. And this is a distinction of our church, is we produce followers of Jesus and leaders of men. And by the way, you can never become a great leader unless you're first a great follower. Did you hear what I just said, everybody? You can never become a great leader unless you're first a great follower. We must abide by this, and this is the identity statement of a member of Connect Church. Every member is a minister because we are followers of Jesus, one more time, and leaders of men. Come on, we are followers of Jesus and leaders of men. So what I want to do for the rest of this time together is separate two different sections, followers of Jesus and leaders of men. The first would be this, is followers of Jesus. If our goal as believers in, in growing into spiritual maturity, if the goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ, which is what it says in Romans, that is the whole goal of why we are on earth, is to become more like, look like, love like, lead like Jesus, if the goal is to become Christ-like, we have to ask ourselves the question, what was Christ like? That could take quite literally six-week series just answering that question. For the sake of time today, I want to give you three quick traits and three quick tra characteristics. The first would be this. Jesus was incredibly authentic. Incredibly authentic. He was real, and he was himself. He did not have to fit into the image that everybody else wanted him to be. Everybody thought, especially in his day and age, that there would be a political superpower that comes into play, and he is the Messiah of the world. And Jesus rejected that notion. He says, I'm the Messiah. He both, says, his, he both explains his divinity and his humanity. Jesus was authentically himself. He did not have to mold and fit into the customs and the patterns of this world. Not only was he authentic, he was also accepting. Accepting. Meaning... There is a difference between somebody that is accepting and somebody that is affirming, by the way. And so Jesus had people, here's a, here's a great litmus test as a leader, if we are going to follow, be followers of Jesus, a great litmus test as a leader would be this, is do people run from you or run to you? Is everybody knew Jesus loved them with his whole heart. And little kids, tax collectors, rabbis, Pharisees, all these people, they ran to him. Why? Because he's such a magnetic leader. And in, Jesus was so gracious, yet he was also very truthful. So he was accepting, but not only was he accepting, he was also assertive. assertive. Now, I'm going to say a, a phrase that might be a little bit big, but I'll explain it with simple terms. Um, all of us have personalities, and all of us have dominant attitudinal dispositions. Here's what this means. You have a nature that is a natural propensity or proclivity towards one thing. So you have two different types of personalities. You have passive personalities and you have aggressive personalities. All of us would fall into one of these two categories. Passive personalities are more reactive to life. Is you're just constantly responding to what you see. You're responding to issues and, and you're not designing your life. You're not taking life by the horns. You're just constantly reacting to things. And I say this in a leadership circle all the time. But reactive leaders are always repairing. Proactive leaders are always preparing. There's a difference. So you have passive leaders passive personalities, but you also have aggressive personalities. And aggressive personalities are definitely go-getters, but they're also control freaks. Come on, any control freaks willing to reveal themselves right now? It's great. we got a whole bunch of liars in this church. 
So you have aggressive personalities who take life by the horns and they go get stuff, but they typically are controlling. They're incredibly stressed. They, they have sleepless nights because everything has to be under their control and according to their plan. But Jesus gives us a third option. He gives us an option that's assertive. And here's what I mean by this. There's two different images of animals that represent two different personalities of Jesus. And they are not dichotomies. They're actually complementary. So Jesus is referred to as a lamb and also as a lion. So he is both lamb-like, but he is also lion-like. And there are situations where you need to use discernment and wisdom to say, which one am I going to be in this circumstance? So he literally, literally, Jesus would sometimes be a lamb and just be humble and gentle and meek. He wouldn't be timid, but he'd be humble, he'd be gentle, meek. And there are moments where he had to be a lion where he's flipping over tables in the middle of the temple. Why? Because there are some moments where you need to be assertive and you need to know which one you got to be in those moments. So let me just tell you something, and this should get some of you guys excited, is that he went to the cross as a lamb to die for the sins of humanity, but he resurrected from the dead as a lion because that's the Jesus that we serve. So he shows us how to lead. And Jesus isn't just our Savior. He isn't just our Lord. Jesus is also our example. Matter of fact, throw up the scripture. I think it's John chapter 15. You guys have that up there? John chapter, John chapter 15, 13, it says this. Jesus says, I have set an example for you so that you will do just what I have done for you. He is not just our Savior. He's not just our Lord. He is also our example. And Jesus radically revolutionizes the concept of leadership. Of leadership. In Mark chapter 9, I believe it is. Throw up that text there, guys. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus flips the script on what leadership really is about. 10. Mark chapter 10. Jesus says this about leadership. Watch this. He contrasts two different types of leaders here. Really cultural leaders and really spiritual leaders. This is what he says. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them? By the way, note the word he uses. Rulers. There's a difference between rulers and leaders. Because rulers make commands and say, be obedient to what I say. And that's how culture leads. And unfortunately, that's how some churches lead. We're actually going to start a series in, in, what is it, two weeks, Pops? Two weeks. Uh, we're going back into Churchianity 2.0. If you've never been a part of that series before, essentially, uh, here's the concept for it. Is you really have three different really problems in, in, in the church today. You have spiritual abuse. You have scriptural abuse. You have spiritual apathy. And so as a result of that, people should be coming into churches to get healed. Unfortunately, they're coming into churches and getting broken more. And the goal of the church is not to develop churchaholics, but disciples. And so that's what we're doing in churchianity. But here's, here's really what's happening. Here's, here's the whole concept right here. Is there, you have some churches, you have some cultural aspects of leadership today that they are rulers and they're making commands and the Gentiles lord it over them. In other words, your position and your authority is given to you to just rule reign over people. Here's what we say, and this is what our pastor models so much, is servant leadership. This is the leadership that Jesus offers. It's basically we use this platform not to, not to be above everybody and I'm not better than everybody. Actually, we're here to serve you, not for you to serve us. That's Jesus' model of leadership. He literally says it like this. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Next verse. Instead, whoever wants to become great must be your servant. And whoever wants to become first must be a slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Incredible. He shifts the entire perspective on its head to say, actually, we are not leaders. And this is what most leaders think. And this is what most leaders do is when they get into a position of authority, they have this mentality is you serve us. 
And Jesus says, no, it's not to serve us. It's to, be, it's to offer service. And, and you see in this text that, first of all, we were created to serve. Not only were we created to serve, we were commanded to serve. Because Jesus shows us that he left his divine throne, divinity became humanity, and offered himself as a ransom for many. So all of us were designed to serve God. I want you to write a couple of these thoughts down. These were carefully crafted. You were designed for a destiny. You were shaped for a service. You were crafted for a calling. This is why you are on the planet. And I'm going to say something that is such an important key that I learned later in life, and I wish I learned it earlier. Hear me loud and clear, please. Is your, your gifts were given to you by God. You, do not, you did not earn them. You don't deserve them. They were given to you. And when you use your gifts for God, that is the only time you will experience fulfillment. Did you hear what I just said? When you are using your gifts for God, that God-sized hole in your heart is now fulfilled. Because you were designed to do ministry, not just make money. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Here's a quote. Here's a quote that I read that I put in my notes. If you have finances, but you don't have fulfillment, you will always be poor. Mm, mm, mm. And here's, here's a distinctive of our church is, is we don't want you to serve where you're needed. We want you to serve where you're gifted. That's why we do gifts-based ministry. We don't say, oh, we need you to serve in kids' ministry because there's a hole right there. No, no, no. If you're not designed for kids' ministry, you're going to suck at serving in kids' ministry. <laughs> we don't want you to do that. That's why if you think you, have, uh, you make a joyful noise to the Lord but you have a terrible voice, you're not going to serve on the worship team. But just because you're not gifted in one area doesn't mean you're not gifted in another. We don't want to, you to go where you're needed. We want you to go where you're gifted. And Rick Warren teaches this in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. He introduces a concept called SHAPE. This is an acronym used to help you discover your purpose. For those of you that don't know if you, what your purpose is or where your purpose is, I'm telling you, this is the key to discovering your purpose and why you were put on the planet. Anybody want to hear this for a second? By the way, quick plug. Every human being, certainly believer, needs to read The Purpose Driven Life. You need to re- read that. Buy that on Amazon right now, okay? Shape, shape. So throw up the five, throw up the five there, guys, and I'll explain them kind of briefly. Uh, your shape. You have spiritual gifts. You have spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts were given, the Bible says, according for the common good, meaning that the church needs you to operate in your spiritual gifts. You are receiving one of my spiritual gifts right now, but if you're only receiving one spiritual gift where you're going to have a deficiency in other areas because I'm not gifted in all areas. And some of you guys are sitting on your spiritual gifts and people are not getting healed and people are not getting blessed because you are not activating those gifts. You have spiritual gifts that God put inside of you. And one of the purposes of our church is to help you discover those gifts. And this is why we do things like Next Steps because you actually take a spiritual gifts assessment and you realize I actually have a shepherd's heart. I didn't even know that. I just thought I always just kind of had a compassion and cared for people. Some of you guys might operate in the prophetic, and it's just a raw gift, and it's a raw talent right now that needs to be developed. But spiritual gifts were given by God for the common good of the church. And some of you are sitting on those gifts, and you wonder why you're not experiencing fulfillment. is because you're not accomplishing God's assignment. Oh, I'm teaching so good. Spiritual gifts. You also have H stands for heart, your heart is that all of us have a a unique heartbeat. That there are some things that break your heart and there are some things that you're much more passionate about than other people. And you shouldn't get mad that other people don't have the same passion as yours. That's a key to finding and discovering your purpose. Is knowing, this is why I was put on the planet. 
is I have, I have a heart for young people because I know, I know what it was like. I remember what it was like to not know what your purpose is. I have a passion for teaching the word of God. I have a passion for leadership because I sat under incredible leadership and it changed and transformed my life. And I see people that don't have leaders in their life and I see the deficiencies that they have in their life. That's why I signed up to be a pastor, by the way. Not because Derek Fry is my dad, but because Devin Fry has a calling and I discovered it and I have a passion for it. That's because you have a heart for it. What is in your heart that you need to do ministry with? Give your gifts to God. I believe that with my whole heart, that that is the key to discovering your purpose. Uh, H, H, uh, that's, that's the heart. A, your abilities. You have natural abilities that just, they, they should be utilized for the kingdom. Are you naturally more administrative? Are you naturally more compassionate? Are you a, are you a strategist in your heart? Uh, do you like building things? Are you architectural? Are you, do you love mentoring young, younger people? What, like, like what is your ability? What did God make it hard for other people to do, but it's easy for you? Use that for the kingdom. That's your heart. That's your abilities. Forgive me. And your personality. Here's something I wrote down in my notes. Is your personality was not given to you by accident, but to accomplish your assignment. Listen to me. I need to tell something to somebody. Is stop apologizing for how God made you. Because some of us have more of a, gen, uh, a gentle disposition. That is not me. Let me just tell you that. Some of you have a more gentle disposition. And Lord God knows we need people that can love people back to life again. We need people like that. We need communicators. We need prophets. We need preachers. We need teachers that are raising children in godly families. We need parents that are well-trained. What? How did God make you and wire you? Stop apologizing for how he made you. Get healed, get healthy, get mature, and use your personality to advance the kingdom. And then I would say experiences, last and foremost. Experiences. Is your experiences did not happen to you by accident. It was an assignment. And so some of you guys have gone through some tragedy in life, some for real pain. And let me just tell you something that I see about Scripture, and I'm going to show you a Scripture in just a second. Matter of fact, you guys can throw it up there. It's something about life that I've learned is God allows you to go through pain so you can set other people free. Is your pain, watch this verse in a second, your pain is the key. Listen to me, everybody. Look at me before the verse. Your pain is the key to unlocking somebody else's prison. Here's what the Bible says. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God gave us. Why? Because your pain is an attachment to your purpose. Literally, this is why you're put on the plan. This is why God allowed some of the pain to go through in your life. is so that that can become your ministry. That's how you discover your purpose is your shape, by the way. Can I go into some practical real quick? When it comes to this, <clears throat> I want to say as a church... We don't go as far as our dream. We go as far as our team. And what's in our lead pastor's heart is seven campuses in 10 years. He's got some exciting things he's going to share with you next Sunday on Vision Sunday about the future of our church. If you call Connect Church home, you need to be in church next week. Come on, somebody. You need to be in church next week. If you, if you care about the vision and the mission of our church being accomplished, next week we got some exciting things and some great things to share and reminders for all of us as well. But we don't go as far as the dream in PD's heart. We go as far as our team. And I'm asking you, I'm not begging you, I'm asking you, use and find your fit. Find your fit, meaning find your giftings and employ them for kingdom purposes. Can I give you seven things as to why you should serve and build your local church? Seven reasons that you probably have never thought about in your life as to why you should serve and build your local church. Throw up the seven there, guys, real quick. Not this one, not this one. Seven reasons to build your local church. 
First and foremost, serving and building your local church reduces poverty and crime. What do you mean? Well, here's a problem nowadays is so many people engage in, pro- in reactive activity instead of preventative activity. So as a result of serving and building your local church, here's what happens, by the way, is you give somebody, you give a Bible when they're young so they don't have to be in prison when they're old. And what happens? We give Bibles to prisoners after they're in prison, and then they change their lives. If you gave them a Bible before they're in prison, they would never be there in the first place. You can reduce poverty and crime. You can reduce divorce and untrained parenting. Lord knows I don't even need to preach about that one. We need parents that are skilled and trained because we don't practice on our kids. You should be trained well before you have kids. Uh, Reducing purposelessness, helping you discover your gifts, increasing happiness and community impact. There's a study by the University of Saskatchewan that says 22% of people, uh, 22% more people experience happiness and less depression as a result of going to church once a month compared to those who don't go to church at all. Just by coming to church. You make a massive impact for all the dream teamers, for those that are serving in kids' ministry downstairs, ushers going in and through the aisles, people in the parking lot, set up and break down teams at different campuses. Can we honor all of them today and just say thank you for giving tons of time? These are busy people. These are busy people that are making a huge impact. Of course, I don't need to preach about this one either. Increasing biblical literacy and kingdom ethics. My gosh, we need that so badly in culture. Significantly lowering the risk of depression, creating better time and life management because we're teaching them godly principles. Teaching them godly principles. So right now, what I want to do is I want to close and I want to highlight the fact that we have what we're calling Connect Expo. Is we're exposing teams and in ministries that are in our house that either need you, want you, or haven't started yet because you're the one that's supposed to do it. Did you hear what I just said? Somebody in there was like, oh, God, I just feel that in my spirit right there. So here's what I want to show you. I want to show you. Here's, here's 13, I believe, 12, 13, 14 different teams that I want to quickly expose to you. Like, like if, you're, if you're awesome with kids, come on, we need you in kids' ministry. Why? Because we are not a babysitting service. We are a leadership factory. I need a better amen than that. We are not a babysitting service. We're a leadership factory. If you have a natural grace to serve kids, this is an awesome thing for you. Connect youth. Connect youth. Lord knows. Lord knows. We need the next generation to learn kingdom principles. We need the next generation to grow up and be the big brother or the big sister that you never had. Production, uh, production and online campus. I want to join these two together. This is how a local church turns to a global church. This is how we reach hundreds, if not thousands of people. One of our goals, and I believe this in my heart, we haven't said this out loud because it's terrifying, but, but honestly, we want to reach thousands locally, and we want to reach millions globally. Nobody has any faith for that. We want to reach thousands locally, and we want to reach millions globally. Why should you be a part of the production online team operating cameras? Why? Because we're reaching millions of people in Jesus' name. Creative team, if you're awesome with sound, production, uh, cameras, graphics, there's only two people in our whole church that serve in that creative ministry, apparently. But if you're serving in this, we, we say this like this, is the pastor is the voice, but the creative team is the amplifier. I love that. Because that's what creative ministry does, is it amplifies everything. And so many people have come to our church because of what our website, what, about our website, our social media, graphics, pictures, videos. Get a part of that team. Prayer team, come on, we need people with healing hands, healing hands. If you have a natural gift or propensity to pray for people, lay hands on people, we need you to minister to people that way. 
Stop sitting on your gifts. Use your gifts for God. Missions and outreach. I want to say something about this. Um, there is an outreach department that has not yet started yet because there is a leader under the sound of my voice that you need to step up and you need to lead this. We will not start a ministry if we don't have a minister. So for some of you, God's been stirring in your heart that you want to partner with outreaches or serve prisons or, or launch adopt-a-blocks and serve under-resourced communities. That's because we're waiting for you to step up in it. And so I need you to go downstairs during the expo, scan, you can even scan this right now, and just sign up and people will contact you and we will have a conversation with you and who knows what could happen. Who knows? I got a story for you in a second. Guest experience, if you want to serve people well, security, medical, if you're over 225 pounds and you're over six feet, you need to be on that team. If you just have an intimidating look, my guy right there, you need to be serving in security right there. Just look at, look at those biceps, brother. My gosh. Those freaking pythons. He's never coming back to our church. <laughs> I'm sorry to expose you, my friend. A team, that's our administrative team. If you have natural skills or gifts and you just like doing projects, you like, you like designing stuff, communicating things, we got loads of different things that you can be a part of and to make a difference. And then lastly, even legacy team. Uh, we say this all the time. At our church, the pastor sets the vision, but it's the generosity of the church that sets the pace. Next week, we're going to hear some awesome things, and we're going to have a series about dreaming in the next couple months about where our church is headed. Ultimately, I can't say some of this stuff because I want our lead pastor to say it. We have loads of vision. We have millions of dollars of vision, architecture and drawn out of where we're headed in the future. And I'm telling you, the generosity of our church family, if you have the grace to give, it's a spiritual gift. You have the grace to give. We want to partner with you in that. These are all the teams that are going on, incredible things that are happening in our church. Partner with us because we don't go as far as our dream. We go as far as our team. Let me, let me close with this last story. There was a man uh, who served in our middle school ministry about four or five years ago. And he started in middle school. He just led this small little middle school boys small group. It was probably six to eight kids. Made a huge impact on these middle school kids' lives. A couple years goes by where he's doing that faithfully. Eventually, we announced that we're launching a Framingham campus. And it was so exciting. And everybody's pumped for it. And so he said, I'm, I'm signing up. I've never served on a Sunday morning in Ashland before. I've only served in youth ministry. I'm signing up. I'm going for that. Well, the first thing he did, he signed up for the setup and breakdown team, which, by the way, at Tri-County Campus and even Framingham Campus, years past, they would have every single week load in and load out. And we have people that show up at 6 in the morning and stay till 1 in the afternoon just setting up an entire theater in a school or in a movie theater. Because it's not easy. It, you have to hustle to do church, by the way. And so for some of us in Ashland, that's like literally like mind-blowing. But there are people that committed to the vision so much that they show up that early, week in and week out, even though they work all throughout the week. We have an incredible dream team, by the way. So there was a leader that did that, by the way. So there was a leader that did that. And he served faithfully in that role for quite some time. Eventually, he became the number two of the campus. And today, the campus pastor named Pastor Cliff Newton became the pastor. And they're launching a second service because that campus has grown so much. And it started in a small little middle school small group. And he worked his way up. And who knows? When you start to serve and you start to build the local church, what could happen? Who knows? You could start as a little middle school small group and all of a sudden be the pastor of a campus. Because that's what happens when you serve people. As you impact generations, God exposes hidden gifts within you. You discover purpose and you make a difference. Amen, everybody? I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Did you get something out of that today? So here's what I want to say. As you're just listening on the sound of my voice, the best thing you could do is to say, I need to start partnering and serving my local church. Actually, in October, we're going to be having a massive Next Steps where PD himself is going to be teaching. 
And if you want to get a part of the team, join the journey, join the family, it's a great step for you to take. Step one, the first week in October, we want to have you there. I want to pray for you, and I want to bless you today. And even the worship team, you guys can come forward. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity I get to be able to speak your word and deliver the truth of God's word to people. I pray that just like that affirmation was stated, we are followers of Jesus and leaders of men. Transform how we think. Lord, I pray that there would be a deep-rooted conviction that comes as a result of just stating that out loud. That I, first and foremost, serve Jesus, not myself. First and foremost, I serve Jesus, not myself. I, I, I don't serve culture. I don't serve my boss. I serve Jesus. And then lastly, God, I, I just pray that you would literally transform how we think. That there would be a supernatural surgery on the minds of all my brothers and sisters. Come on, I want you to, I want you to receive something. Why don't you open your hands? I pray that there would be a supernatural, spiritual surgery today. That whatever insecurities, come on, I see insecurities breaking off, chains breaking right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that literally you're rewiring how they think. I see, I see stuff getting pulled out. And I, I thank you that truth is getting put in in Jesus' name. I pray that they would, be, they would be washed with the mind of Christ, God. That the mind of Christ, they are loved by God. They, God is not mad at them. He has crafted them and uniquely designed them for a destiny such as this. That a message like this could produce an incredible thing. That I pray my brothers and sisters would experience the fulfillment of God. That that God-sized hole that they've been searching for for 30 years, they just found a key. You just found it. So, Father, give them courage as they move forward into the next steps of their journey. In Jesus' name. Now, for all my brothers and sisters, every, every head bowed, every eye closed still, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. That God has designed you to be an incredible leader, salt and light of the earth. But not only that, the first thing you got to do is bow your knee to say, I will become a follower of him. If you want to be used by God, you need to be in relationship with him. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up boldly and say, that's me. I need to say yes to him. I need to put my faith and trust in him. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today's your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute. Three, would you shoot your hand up boldly and say, that's me. I see you so much. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Is there anybody else? I see you, sister. I'm so proud of you. Praise God. I see you, brother. I'm so proud of you. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I repent because I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I bow my knee and I receive your forgiveness, your mercy, and your leadership. I will be guided by God all the days of my life. I am, come on everybody, I am a follower of Jesus and I'm a leader of men. Come on, three more times. I am a follower of Jesus and a leader of men. One more time. I am a follower of Jesus and I'm a leader of men. Come on everybody, let's stand to our feet and let's worship.